listening to Colin Bradley Artcast with Colin Bradley and Stephen Bradley. Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Hi, Dad. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? How are you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. How are you? <laughs> Uh, not so bad. Not so bad. It's a lovely, bright, sunny day out here today. So that cheers everybody up. Yeah, yeah. And, it's uh, same here, same here. And um, yeah, I'm a bit more with it this week. I've recovered. You weren't. You yes. You you. It took you a week though, didn't it, to, to get over that? Easily a week. I'd say I only started feeling normal again at the beginning of this week. Well, you sound chirpier anyway, Steve. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel all right. I've, but it's going to be an absolutely... I, if I thought last week was busy, not last week, two weeks ago was busy, I've, it's nothing compared to what's coming up. Ah, no, quite. Uh, <laughs> from now to the end of the year, it's going to be chaos <laughs> for yeah. me. Ah, well. So, uh, yeah. You're enjoying it, though. It's it's not so. It's not something you, uh, you know, you're you're dreading, are you? It's something that you don't want to do. It's something you want to do. It's just how you're going to fit it all in. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I've well, I, for those that are wondering what's going on, I'm doing another show at the end of well, in t- uh, two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Um, Sister Act. I think I mentioned that actually last week. Um, doing yep. Sister Act and then pantomime in December. Um, but it's all the preparations that are now going to be leading up to both of those events. That's um, right. And it, it's always the way it's, it's not the, the shows itself take up a fair bit of time, obviously when you're doing them, but it's all the preparation leading up to that, that takes mm. the time, mm. you know, the learning of the lines, the learning of the routines, the songs, mm. um, That's right. you know, whilst running a business and having a life and having a break. <laughs> It's packed. It's packed. Um, but yeah, it's good though. It's good too. Okay, so I've um, got a few things to talk about this week. Uh, a question that's come in that I want to want you to answer for us, Dad. I haven't prepped mm-hmm. you before this, so this is going to be completely raw uh, in what you what you're expecting. So. Let's uh, let's talk about that first. So the question comes from Barbara, who signed up for your uh, watercolor course. Um, actually, I'm not too sure which one it is she signed up for. I can tell you though. Um, on Udemy, this is the uh, Aylesford. Yeah, and that's actually something that I want to talk about uh, in a bit. Oh right, oh, the, the Aylesford. Oh. So Barbara asks, um, can you ask Colin which brush? and technique he uses to do tree foliage. I can't seem to get it right. It appears mm. that he does, uh, in quotes, dry brush technique, but I could not see exactly how he clumps the trees of leaves. Uh, the tree clumps... Hold on. How he does the clumps of tree leaves without leaving <laughs> a hard edge. Any advice right. would be greatly appreciated. Well, yes, now. You, you, you've hit on something that is... I don't really know the answer myself. Isn't that strange? Um, I suppose it's a question of um, I developed an idea by doing trees. I don't think I'd I'd seen anybody doing them the way I ended up doing them. Um, Because when I first started looking at trees, I had the same um, trepidation that most people would have. How on earth do do you create 
um, the foliage and the depth of colour and so on. Anyway, what I did when I first started, I used to plop it on. You know, I used to start with light. You always start with light to darken watercolour anyway. You've got no choice. So I used to put the lemon yellows in and then I used to put a slightly darker green and then a, and then a little darker green and eventually ending up with a very dark colour, like perhaps a mix of green and black together. And I kind of developed a spotting action, you know, a dabbing action. Uh, that seemed to work okay, but it, it it's developed into much, much more than that now. And I do try to show that on the screen if I can, and I try to go close up if I can. But I must be honest, when I look back on the, the tree, particularly if I blow it up, if I've got the picture um, and I blow the picture up, a photograph rather, and blow that up as, as much as I can, I can get it bigger than I can actually see it. Do you know what I mean? So I look at all of the intricacies of that and I'm amazed. I can't even believe how it was done. So I'm almost as foxed as everybody else is. Now, so I can't really answer the question um, because there isn't really uh, any practical way for me to say, well, you use a, um, a number three brush is my favorite brush for tree. So that might help simply because it's got to hold a certain amount of liquid, water, in other words, or colour. If you have too thin a brush, like um, maybe um, a 1 or an OO gauge, or an O gauge even, they never hold enough water. You'd, you'd be constantly dipping it into the uh, paint. Con Conversely, if you have a number six brush, for instance, that won't give you the same uh, technique. Do you know what I mean? It would hold mm. too much water and you'd end up by splotting it in. Um, so a number three brush is my, probably my favourite, three or four, uh, because that holds just enough water, but it's, it's thin enough to be able to create the dabbing action that I use. Um I think that it, trees are really, really hard. But fortunately, we've got uh, another one coming up. I don't think anybody's – no, they wouldn't have seen it yet um, – with a whole bunch of trees. In fact, two-thirds of the picture is trees. So that would be a really, really good one to look at and when it comes out. And I don't think it'd be very long. It's the barges, Steve, you know, yeah. the one, the barges, the new one. Yeah. Watercolour barges one, which I think probably will come out very soon, I would think. Um, that one is really worth watching. So if you can hang on long enough, I've given you the number three brush is my favourite brush. Make sure that the water that you've got on the brush is not too much, but enough to do... Uh, a reasonable amount of um, the colour. Work from light to dark, always do that. Some of the trees that I do now, I put light on top of the dark, but you know how I do that. I use the, um, I use the tube, squeeze a little paint onto a tube, like the lemon yellow, for instance, would be ideal for that. And um, as long as you don't have that too uh, thick, that would go as well, and you've seen me do that. 
Mm. And you'll see me do it a, a lot more in the new pictures that are coming up. So I'm sorry if it's a vague answer, but the simple matter is I don't really understand it myself how I do it. It's the way I probably, over years and years and years of practice at this, I kind of twiddle or twist the brush as I'm dabbing the tree. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you get kind of different foliage. Um, it's very similar to what you do with the pastel pencil, isn't it? It twiddles the pastel pencil. Yes, it is very, very similar. Well, when I started with the pastel pencil, I took my experience of watercolour to the pastel pencil, as you know. Uh, so I kind of can replicate almost what I do with um, watercolour with the pastel pencil. Uh, and that, again, people find really hard even with the pastel pencil to do that. So, okay. yes, I, I think it's a question um, of do as much as you can, learn as much as you can, and watch as much as you can of my technique, because people seem to like my technique. I don't think I've seen anybody else do it. I can't, I can't, I can't visualise another artist that does it the same way as I do. Yeah. Because it kind, it's kind of foreign, isn't it, to, to general accepted watercolour techniques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah, your approach is interesting. It's it's been because it's self developed, isn't it? It's not really something that is yeah. a, a categorical technique. It's just the way you do it. And if people can replicate replicate that, then then they've learned mm. it too. I, it, it, unless we give a name to it, <laughs> there's not really a there isn't. No. You know, there's not really a way to describe it. Well, I, I would always say to people, if just get a piece of watercolour paper and play with it. Don't don't try to do a tree or, you know, any main uh, design of foliage. Just play with it. OK, so let's um, let's move on to another email. This comes from Alan. Um, Alan just signed up for membership and sent us uh, a little email on how he found us. So he says, Hi, Colin and Steve. I spotted Colin's work on YouTube and carried out a number of his free courses on the website. My interest as a retirement hobby is mainly in nature, journaling with botanical work and landscapes. My usual medium of coloured pencil are fine for the former, but I much prefer pastel pencils for landscapes. Initially, I was deterred by how uh, a little by how to sharpen them, but when I discovered aluminium oxide sandpaper, it was a doddle. Mm -hmm. You just remove the wood with a craft knife and rub the lead at a flat angle against the sandpaper, and I get as sharp as I need. No more broken points. The sandpaper holds the dust, and I have a handheld vac at the ready. I have to say, Colin is a wonderful coach and he makes it so easy to learn the skills. I am really enjoying doing the lessons and the opportunity for the feedback that you offer is a great benefit, which I'm sure I will take advantage of. Thanks again for providing such a wonderful service. Good. Well, thank you, Alan, for that lovely uh, comment. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, um, the idea of... I, I know some people use sandpaper, but um, for Alan to describe the way that he sharpens the pencils, I thought was a, a good addition, which is why oh, yes, I thought absolutely. I'd mention it. Mm. Um, any, way, any way you get points, is, is, you, have, you do need points, particularly if you come from a coloured pencil background, because he would be used to using, uh, with a normal sharpener, 
getting those fine points. Uh, and it's not as quite as easy with the pastel pencil, but it, as you see with me and a lot of our members, it's possible. But you've got everybody's got their own ideas, and good for them. Do you remember that sharpener that you had from Faber Castell? That was the triangular one, and it had three holes in it. That's right. Did that used to sharpen them? Um, I used to use that, yes, but um, and I used to sell that actually. Um, for people who found it difficult to use blades. Yeah. I still find, though, that even that will break the lead. Anything that where you're twisting the pencil, um, it, it, it will break. So knives and um, blades are really the best if you can get on with them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, well, thanks, Alan. That's, that's great. Um, so... Yes, I wanted to talk about, going back to the watercolour quickly, the landscape, the Aylesford. Um, we're just in the middle of doing some promotion for that um, on our websites and stuff. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it because I, I would say that it's, it really, I know it's watercolour, but it, it almost doesn't look like watercolour. No. It's one of those that is so, looks so unbelievable that when you, you think it was like oil or something, I guess, mm. because the mm. level of detail that you've got in that picture is is insane. Mm. Well, yes. Once again, though, Steve, it's 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 a culmination of of many, many, many years of of working with not just watercolor but pastel pencils because they do cross over, as you know. You can you can you can use similar techniques. Uh, in both of them so I've had a great deal of practice at it and I also know what I can do and what I can't do and the limitations in other words but with the limitations with watercolor I've pushed the boundaries up a bit at one time you think you can't do that with the color that's not possible Um, well I don't ever think like that I think yes I can particularly if people look at the bridge, the yeah. bridge that crosses over. Now, that was there's three processes there which people will see. The first one is a is a, a wash. We're using white paper, our, our white watercolour paper. So you've got to put a wash on. So that's the first one. That's number one. Second one, you put a second wash on. Now, this second wash varies in tones, and, I, and they'll see people that watch it will see that I mix different colours in. You can also use a wet and wet technique at this stage because the wet and wet technique spreads water and colour. You see, if you, look at, if you look at any surface, particularly a bridge, a stone bridge, then imagine the amount of colours and shades you have in it. It's limitless almost. So what I try to do is to try to feature that as best I can and I can do that by putting wet in wet I'm what, sure people know what, what I'm no, talking can, about can you, uh, I, I'm not sure what that is can you tell oh okay yeah. well what you do is you put a wash on okay it's kind of not it can't be dry because that won't work it's got to be wet okay it's got to be a wet wash and you only do one section at a time the bridge was easy because I could do it in in sections and this is not not when you put the initial. The initial wash on is just a coloured wash, 
that could be made up of, um, of browns and greys, uh, just to put a colour on. It's a bit like when I do pastel pencils and I put a base colour on. It's yeah. the same idea, similar idea. You've got to have something to work into. You also think technically also what you're doing is breaking the surface tension of the paper. Okay. Okay, so we've got that far. Then the second wash and even a third wash could go on top of it, wet. And into that wash, you then plop different colours, a bit of ochre, okay. a bit of um, uh, burnt sienna, a bit of green, um, or any colour you want. Ochre is one of the best ones to use. And a bit of blue. You can put that in just a little bit and it just spreads. Okay. And when it dries, you can't actually see the join, if you see what I mean. You've got like, yeah. like tones and shades. Because it's wet, it blends together. That's right. It all, it all amalgamates together. Now, once you've got that in, so you've got one, maybe two, or maybe even three washes to actually achieve the depth of colour you want. Because you also remember you're, you're not just putting a colour on uh, – of the main light lighted area, but you also the shades, different shades of, of depth, yeah. shadow, and this sort of thing. So you've got to you've got to work at that. But I show that very clearly on the uh, the, the bridge detail when I get to it. And then the, the the last one really is when you put the stones on, and that is the most difficult bit really because. You've got to imagine that you're putting stones on. They can't be the same colour. They can be just sort of slightly different colours. So when you dip your paintbrush in, you can maybe mix a bit of colour together. And uh, you, you, you just dub it along as though you're putting bricks in. I did it on the church. The church is particularly good there because obviously you've got different uh, sizes. You know, with that church, you, you, you imagine the stones being quite small compared with the bridge, for instance, which is much closer to you. And and then you dub that on. And when I first did it, I thought, this, this is going to look silly. But I persevered, and it didn't. When you look at the whole thing together, it doesn't look silly. It looks great. And so I'm particularly pleased with that, that particular section of the... Because after all, if Aylesford, it's a very pretty place anyway. It's, it's, it's in Kent. It's not too far away from me and it's been photographed and on calendars and it's very well known in the UK as being a picturesque place but the way um, the angle that I've shot it is mostly the bridge Mm. it's a large part of the so that had to be right now imagine if I'd have done lovely lovely sky and nice church and all these lovely green um, trees, green and ochre trees and beautiful, and then put the bridge in and been rubbish at it. It would have been absolute nightmare because it would have looked artificial. And um, But it, I know from experience now, and having done them many, many times before, I know that I don't even think like that. And people shouldn't when they're doing a picture. They should just do it. Work on instinctive. Now, Instinct is fine, but that is backed up by a tremendous amount of experience. Yeah. You've, so, got to, you've got to put it all together. So just going back to the technique a little bit, the the initial wash that you put on, um, mm. 
with a base color do you let that dry before you then yes yeah, so, we do, you do so you put the first yes. wash on the base color you let that dry and then you yep. begin the wet in wet technique yes usually it, it's it's at that second stage that the wet and wet technique takes place and you can do it you could do it a couple of times yeah and because you, once it dries out again you could it, you can start all over again and i suppose if you're dipping into the same washes um but tweaking mm. the tones um you're you're getting a really lovely harmony on the bridge because you're still using the same wash mm. Mm. right absolutely yeah yeah that's another it's another point actually you you, you raised and um i mean just realized that it, when people bring these points up it makes you think makes me think oh yeah yeah I, I do i do do that anyway what it is when you're when you're working in a palette you've got your palette and usually when people look at my palette i think how can you possibly do some lovely picture with that mucky old palette but to me that palette is not a mucky palette at all it's it's a a, a mirage of lovely um tones do you know what i mean i look at it differently mm. to probably other people look at when i take a photograph and i've taken a few photographs um of the of the work and i look at it i think blimey when people see that they'll that they'll, they'll have a baby you know that it's it's it, it's a real mishmash of of horrible colors you would think but i don't see it like that <laughs> i see it completely differently i say oh look at this lovely little bit of green and blue and brown that's mixed together i'll use that see it's, what i mean it's a your palette is a history of what you've already put on as well so it, yes it is and the other thing i do do and people will see that and and uh i mix colors up like the greens if i'm doing trees particularly i'd use several shows of green and different um, shades so you'll have one light color you'll have one medium color and you'll have a dark color and then within that dark color there'll be even darker color and this can be a mixture of ochres and greens then i have another section with ochres in it and and um and maybe a little bit of blue in and so on so i have my little segments mm. and i mix enough water enough color and let it dry out and this is a big secret and i hope people pick up on it because they see it once it all dries out and i go away and leave it maybe for you know a few hours really to to actually dry out or even overnight if i'm preparing the next day for uh a whole bunch of trees or foliage i let that dry out and then you can re-agitate it and people will see that and certainly on this new picture um, that will be coming out i did that a lot then i mixed my my um quite a lot of color and then re-agitate that because once it's once it's spread out and dries off you can just put a little bit and you can get it almost dry but not dry you know what i mean in other words it's not too wet okay so you re-agitate it so, so that works you, really well the, you mean you re-agitate the 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 color in the palette and then put it back put some more on 
That's right. No, well, no, you can just re-agitate the palate because you just put water or yeah. just dip your brush into water and dip a little bit. And you can, with a lot of, with a bit of experience, you can work just how much you want to put on. Sometimes it, it, it can be put on almost dry and other times it can be a little wetter. Okay. I think I'm getting you. I think I'm getting you. You will. If, yes. I understand. <laughs> I've, obviously, I've edited the video, so I understand. I've seen you do it. It's just I'm I'm using this podcast as an opportunity to discuss mm. a bit of the theory behind it for those that haven't mm. taken the courses well, to kind of see how your approach is. True. Well, I do do try, and you do a really good job of, of, of editing it because when, I, when I'm doing it, I... I very rarely. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I close. But other times you're looking at the, the palette and the picture as a whole, and then you switch, don't you, uh, very cleverly to me doing a close-up, for instance. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and that's a better way of doing it because otherwise I'd be constantly changing the camera. You know? Yeah. And um, so it does work out well. So one and, other uh, one other question I have then is before you do the bricks on the bridge, um, you've done the wetted wet and you've got more tones and you're you're getting happier with the bridge. Do you then let it dry again before going on with the bricks? Not always, but sometimes yes. Yeah, not always because you don't want the bricks to, or do you want the bricks to merge into the colours beneath? Oh, I see what you, oh I see what you mean. Oh no, you would quite sorry. I've yes you would wait for all that to dry before you put the bricks on you're quite yeah. right absolutely well well thought yeah, it's like, I'm just it's just what I'm, what's quite interesting to me um is understanding the process a little bit more i know it's it's difficult perhaps for you to explain it because it's just it's the way you do it whereas i'm mm. coming from a more of a um structured is this you know you do this mm. you do this step by step um and obviously people and I would encourage people to go and watch even the free water colour course to see some of what we've um, talked about in this uh, podcast uh, mm. in, in real life, you know, see the actual application of these techniques. But I do find it interesting understanding your approach and giving it a process and a structure because um, you've developed this naturally over the years. So to me, it's interesting to sort of analyse that process that that's, that step-by-step process that you mm. go through. Absolutely. Oh, no, no, and I, and I thank you for that because I don't think of those things. I, I just I just go ahead and do it. I explain what I'm doing when I'm videoing, and I, I know I put a little bit here and I just want that here and so on, so on, so on. But I don't necessarily go into too much of the um, uh, of, of detail yeah. Otherwise, I think it, I think it would be a bit boring. It wouldn't flow right if I started. No, doing that. exactly, exactly. You should carry on doing it the way you're doing it. Um, I will say though that anybody starting out with watercolor, I've got a better chance of doing some the kind of work that I do better than someone following somebody with their wishy-washy approach. Because the wishy-washy approach, I call it that. That's a very it's not a detrimental term. It's when they put, you know, colours in and make it look like a, a wash rather than uh, a proper uh, sort of realistic-looking picture. 
They've got a better chance with me than they have of that because that is, takes a lot of skill to do that. And I've seen people do it, and they are absolutely amazing. Yeah. But I find that that kind of thing, you either got it or you haven't. With my type of teaching, you could do it. You've just got to practice it. And I think because I, that's because you do have a structure. It's just that like, you do have a process. That's right. But you don't realise that you have a process. <laughs> no, that's right. No, no, quite, quite. But that's why I think it is easy to follow because there is a, you do this, mm. you do this, you do this. There is a flexibility amongst all of that because it's watercolour and it's paint and it's, a, you know, it's water. But mm. there is, there is a structure to what you teach and mm. there it's, it's more of a structure than perhaps the other wash techniques that you mm. see. Absolutely. I, 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 I'm sure that uh, people will find that. Well, we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen people, um, some of our members have, have posted their watercolour pictures and think, wow, look at that. Yeah. And it looks really good. And yeah. they're thrilled with it. So we know it works. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- that's, that was really interesting for me. <laughs> it was really interesting. I hope other people have found that interesting too. Um, thanks for diving into to those techniques and explaining those in a bit more detail dad i think that's useful for those that uh either do watercolor or are interested in trying watercolor mm. oh no d- never be put off the thing is when i'm um doing my watercolor work i'm um explaining what i'm doing so i'm videoing you know i'm i'm talking all the way through it and so you can see that really I must be relaxed because if I'm not relaxed, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd be focusing and concentrating, you know, with my brow, you know, sort of, you know what it's like when you're in concentration. Yeah. But you shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't be like that at all. You should be much more relaxed. Yeah. And and let it flow sort of thing. And that's how I do with all my pictures. We're doing some at the moment. I just mentioned it. I don't know whether you, I ought to mention it, but we're yeah, yeah. doing some stick pastels at the moment. Now I'm well into that at the moment, and we've, we've I've done. I'm on my last, my last um, stick pastel set. I've got. I've done six pictures, or will have done when I finish it today, uh, and I'm going to do some more using stick pastels. Now a restricted range of stick pastels. But this is completely different. <laughs> totally, you couldn't be far away from the watercolour techniques because <laughs> even pastel pencil is similar to watercolour. Stick pastels isn't at all because it's impressionism, yeah. an impressionistic approach, and I'm loving it. <laughs> so I think, but it's only because I'm relaxed when I do it. Mm. And once again, I'm, I'm talking all the way through and explaining what I'm doing. Mm. So... I think people are going to find so much uh, uh, interesting. And I, I like the idea of people trying different things. I know they've got to buy the materials, but we've, we've done this in such a way that it's not going to cost them a lot of money. Yeah. In any case, a lot of people will have already got the pastels. We know yeah. that, stick pastels. And, but it's great fun, yeah. really, really great fun to – to break away, and I find too, and people will find this if they, if they do some of these courses, and I'm sure they will want to do them, even if it doesn't look great. What they've done, they've broken that concentration or 
you can't you can't concentrate with with, with stick pastels. You've just got to got to work them. It either works or it doesn't work. Yeah, because <laughs> you can't you can't muck around. If if you make a mistake, that's it. You have you've to roll cover, with it. Yeah, you've got to cover it up. Yeah, you can't rub it out. Not with stick pastels, that doesn't work. Well, you can, but it, it doesn't work. It's a smudgy mess. So you've got to be quite disciplined with it. But at the same time, it's a lot of fun. Especially I mean, the Impressionism, I mean, because that's more f- flexible and fluid, isn't it? You know, it's, it, it's kind it of is, no but rules. In, in some way, though, it's harder, Steve, because you're, you're having to rely on that impression that you're giving to give the impression to other people of what you're doing, what, what it's all about. Yeah. It, there's a lot of theory behind that, which uh, I'd like to go into at some time. Yeah, but well, we will. You, yeah. You've got to, as I always said, that um, when you look at impressionistic work, you know, the Renoirs, the Manets, the Monets, the Cezannes, look at all their work and they think, oh, that must be easy. I've just got to dab it on and there it is. It doesn't work like that. You've got to you've got to have in your in your mind and you've got to have the the structure there in your head before you put it on paper Mm. i'm I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah sharing these stick pastel projects we did talk about a few podcasts ago that we're creating them or you're creating them but we'll be releasing them um, Mm. fairly soon when we get you know get when i can get editing (laughs) but um, we will we are we do have plans for releasing them as soon as we can and getting them out there so We'll well, there's a lot. Those. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of impressionism, impressionistic pictures in the pipeline. Anyway, they're already there. I've, I've done them some while ago. Yeah. So they're going to be released. These are more on the um, demonstration side. Yeah. But uh, than anything else. But but once people use the the, the projects that we're going to be producing now, they can adapt themselves to the more impressionistic pictures that are coming up. Yeah, it's a, just a lot of fun. I'm having a great time, and I'm sure other people will do once they start. And by moving into different areas and different subjects, it, it first of all it makes it much more interesting, mm. um, but it also loosens you up. Mm. You you can you you start thinking a little differently. Yeah, well that's good as well. That's good, and it's all it's all a great learning experience for for the students as well which is what we're aiming to provide as as much as possible so Mm. um okay cool well we will talk about the pastel sticks in an upcoming podcast when we get around to that um but for now we'll leave it there if you do have any questions for us uh then by all means send them over on an email and uh we'll talk about them And you can check out the Aylesford course on Udemy and on our website. If you have a membership, just go to colinbradleyart.com and you can find out all the info there. Okay, Dad, thanks very much for that. It's all right. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy Enjoy your week. week.